Hello and welcome to Master Your Coaching Biz, a podcast for rising coaches and entrepreneurs who want to design the life of their dreams and make a massive impact on the world while building an inspired, successful, and profitable business. I'm your host, Cheryl Thacker, Master Board Certified Coach, trainer, ICF Mentor Coach, international speaker, and founder of Successful Coaches Enterprise. I believe that every coach has a unique gift to present to the world, and I'm humbled that I've had the opportunity to work with hundreds of coaches and entrepreneurs on their journey to mastering their business. Join me each week as we explore all things coaching to master your business with tools, techniques, and strategies to create and market your products, get visible, make an impact, and grow your business. Listen in on interviews with leading coaches and entrepreneurs sharing their stories and best tips to teach, inspire, and empower you. Observe coaching sessions, participate in Q&A, and learn how to master your mindset to enhance your coaching skills. Are you ready to build the life and business of your dreams while doing what you love? Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of Master Your Coaching Biz, the podcast. And today we have Jennifer Loudon with us, who is a personal growth pioneer, and she helped launch the concept of self-care with her 1992 best-selling debut book, The Woman's Comfort Book. So welcome, Jennifer. Oh, my pleasure to be here, Cheryl. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I know you have a lot going on there. Well, the, the, the issue with having been in the personal growth space for 30 years is, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of different selves and a lot of different conversations. But I thought I'd take you into a moment uh, in 2001 when after already publishing, I think, four or five books and being on Oprah and all that kind of good stuff, I really decided that I wanted the skills to explore working with people. And I wanted you know, whether it was going to be one-on-one or whether it was going to be about writing or life. And so that's when I went to coaching school and I went through ontological, uh, ontological program. And I loved how it overlapped with my long study of meditation and awareness to really like, how do we do us as humans? And while I only coached individually for a few years, I found it wasn't my, I'm much better at groups and a blend of coaching and teaching. Um, it was a profound experience for me. And I just think there's so much in the coaching model models that are out there that are so powerful. And I think it's so fantastic. You're helping people create their businesses because that's usually the part that people have the most trouble with. My sister-in-law came to me, I should say, my, I call her my outlaw sister-in-law from my first marriage. And she came to me recently and said, I really think I want to be a life coach. And I'm thinking, I don't think you have the ability to build a business. I, you know, I really think that's a set of skills that unfortunately don't always go with the skills of coaching people. So I'm glad you're doing this podcast and, and yeah, I'm absolutely. lucky that I have a lot of that skill. I grew up in a real entrepreneurial family. In fact, I got my first straight job out of college. I went to film school. I wanted to be a screenwriter and I got a job at CAA, one of the big talent agencies. And I called my dad, 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 I got my first job. And there's silence on the other end of the phone. And then he says, why? that's the kind of family I grew up in yeah you go you do it yourself all right yeah and that's yeah that's true (laughs) and you're right a lot of um coaches and solopreneurs don't know the business side of things right we have a we have um a desire to help people and Mm -hmm. we have some skill on doing that but um yeah we don't we don't know too much about what to do for the business side of it but what's really important also is that self-care piece and I love that Mm -hmm. you focus in on that 
um, especially as women, um, but you know, men in the coaching business as well. Sure. Um, you know, we put, we, we tend to put ourselves to the side, right? We, we put everything else first, building that business, getting clients, helping the clients reach their goals and be happy and successful and balanced. But then there's a gap there for us. Um, so I, uh, your book, the, the woman's comfort book, your original book, um, tell me a little bit about that so the audience can kind of hear what sure. you covered there. Sure. Well, it was a long, long time ago. That book was published in 1992, but it was the first mainstream book and the first book. Can you believe this? The first book to talk about self-care and self-nurturing. And you have to remember, 1992, Oprah was still like Jerry Springer, right? There was, there was just a really different world. And it, it, it became a bestseller, I think, because of the zeitgeist, because of the question, which sadly, we're still struggling with as women. And we're seeing it during the pandemic, how many women have left the workforce? How many women have closed their businesses? I mean, it's just heartbreaking, heartbreaking that women are taking the brunt of this, at least in the United States. And so really, it, it was, it, you know, when I think about that book, it was like a little encyclopedia or a website before there were websites. It was just tons of ideas of things to do. But I think it gave women permission. I think it had a quality about it that really resonated. And one of my favorite stories was years after the book was published, someone wrote me, I think it was still letters before emails, to tell me that her mother was dying of Alzheimer's and she would hold that book and it became her love object until it wasn't a book anymore because it had gone in the bathtub with her and everything else. It was just a big, you know, bunch of soggy paper. But she thought it was because it, it represented that connection with yourself. Cause that's really, to me, what self-care, I think self-care, it's almost like a, you know, pyramid, <laughs> you know, of yeah. the, 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 and, and at the core of that pyramid, it's how do we return to ourselves and stay on our own side? And I'm really pissed how self-care has become a two, three, whatever billion dollar business, because it's selling the idea of self-care. Most self-care is really prosaic. It's boring. And it's essential. I worked out. My hair is wet, y'all, because I worked out before this podcast because I knew if I didn't, I'd get too tired in the afternoon. It's a gray day here. I can't run right now. I have an injury. So I worked out in the basement. I didn't want to work out in the basement. I didn't want to do a workout, but that's self-care because it keeps my mood going. It keeps my energy up. It's, you know, longevity, all that. And I think the thing where self-care, if I can say, goes over into our businesses is when we don't care for ourselves and have the boundaries to really believe that we can have a successful business. And so we give and we give and we let clients take and take and take and we get exhausted and pissed and we don't see how it connects to agency and self-care. And for me, it's essential to keep seeing that and drawing my boundaries really clearly. Yeah, I love that. Boundaries are so important. Um, otherwise, yeah, we just deplete. Keep and I think, ourselves. yeah, and I think there's often a root story that we have when it comes to business and boundaries and charging and all the stuff that you help people with, Cheryl, which is that, that, that there's something essentially wrong with us, right? And everybody's root story has a particular flavor. Mine is I'm not smart enough. I have learning differences, I guess we call them now, not disabilities anymore. And they weren't diagnosed till I was almost done with college. So I have this deep old story that I'm stupid. Well, what does that turn into in my business? Oh, let me give you a little more. Let me add another thing onto that program. Oh, I shouldn't charge that much, right? It's taken years to root that out and train my team and my husband to be like, ah, hey, is that, is, are you believing that right now? Is that why you're adding another call <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to the program? <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. 
And what is, and so, um, and right now though, you're helping, you're doing something a little bit different. You're still an author, but you're helping um, women with retreats, right? How does that transfer over to the, the retreats sure. that you're doing? Well, I have a bunch of different elements in my business. So my, my latest book is called Why Bother? It came out uh, April of 2020. Why Bother? Discovered the Desire for What's Next. And there's a guided journal that goes with it, Get Your Bother On. And that is really the culmination, culmination of so much of my work. And it, it's how do you how do you keep caring? How do you care again when something dies, when someone dies, when your passion for something dies? How do you reinvent yourself? So there's a body of work around get your bother on. And part of that happens in my membership community. It's called the Oasis. And so I support women creatives there of all kinds to get out of their own way over and over again and, and really keep caring and trying and creating businesses and writing and everything else. So that's one part of my business. Another part is I coach writers. Um, I've, I've fallen into that over the last 20 years, but I love it. So I coach a few people uh, sort of, you know, more high end They're there, have a book deal. They have a big book coming out. And then we have a nonfiction mastermind that's more affordable. And then, yeah, retreats until the pandemic. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're, we're like half, not, I don't want to say, I want to say half my profit. Yeah. They were really an important part. And I have spent years teaching myself to lead retreats. I wrote a book about it, the woman's retreat book in the nineties. And I'm very, very proud of my skills in doing that. And so they, they, they're writing retreats and then they're self-care retreats. So I do both. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then the, the, I think, is there another part of my business? I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So what would you say um, the the five biggest mistakes that you made in your business? Oh um, my God. Do we have to limit that... it to five? <laughs> <laughs> well, just kind of focusing in on like the over-providing, over-accommodating, because you mentioned that, like giving more and, you know, making ourselves less really in the process. So what were those those five mistakes for you? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just talk, let's just stay on the retreats. I used to carry people's luggage at my retreats. Okay. That's um, over providing. <laughs> you should not be carrying someone's luggage when you're offering a retreat or not having support. You know, it's okay. I can do everything. I mean, I would always have the support of the staff at wherever I was leading the retreat. I've done a lot of stuff at um, the Mabel Dodge Lujan house in Taos. And hopefully we'll be back there. We have a sold out retreat for October. Um, well, hopefully it'll get to happen. But so just, can you imagine like just giving too much or the time that one of the most powerful literary agents in the United States called to represent me, to ask me, can I represent you? And I said, no. Why did I say no? Because my editor didn't want me to have her as an agent. I took care of my editor instead of myself. <laughs> so, you know, what does it look like for you? Does it look like, you know, have you ever done it? I'm, I'm curious. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm still working on that, right? Yeah. So I have I have my programs, and you know, I have I have a support staff, which is awesome. And and you know, I I get tired, I get mm -hmm. exhausted, and and my support staff, <laughs> the first one, you know, Tiffany, she's the first one that'll tell me, "You're doing too much in this program. You need to pare it down. You need to, mm -hmm. you know, this isn't this." And and ultimately, though, the the bottom line is, it doesn't help them either. The people that you're trying to help, right? Yeah. If no. you're if you're overdoing it, then you're taking away your energy. You're not giving them your best. Well, and, or, or you're teaching them to be dependent on you, which is not right. what you want to do from an ethical standpoint. Right. Um, and you're usually giving them way more than they can take in. I used right. to teach a course for years called Teach Now, and it was all about 
people who were alternative teachers like us and, and creating programs. It was way before all the big names got in and, and started creating these, you know, make a million dollars with your online course. And, and that was one of the biggest takeaways for people. You can't be a fire hose. Yeah. And so you are doing a disservice to your people. Now, I, I, I'm still learning that as well, but it does help to have, I really think one of the things is you have to have outside eyes. Absolutely. And, and one of the things when I coach, because I do, that, that's the other part of my business. I coach people on their businesses. <laughs> I remember the other thing. I knew there was something else. Um, so when I was thinking of, I was talking to a client yesterday and, you know, she always, she thinks like, because she's done things a certain way, she does small groups that she can't change it the next time around, right? Have you had that feeling, right? And that to me is like, oh, oh no, 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 no. That's putting them before you. Yeah. Now, true, you may lose some people and people may get pissed if you take stuff away. Cause you know, once you give people stuff they do tend to keep wanting it, but a lot of times they don't even notice. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, um, I'm pretty good at that now. Like I, you know, I revamp things as I go along. Yeah. <laughs> because, and- you know. Uh, I've done do that with, yeah, I've done that with my nonfiction mastermind that's been going on for, I don't know how many years now, three or four years. And I've had people, the same, some of the same people in it the entire time, right? They come back every time. And I have changed things dramatically. I've changed what I give, what I charge up and down, you name it, trying to find what fits best for me. And one of the members that's been there all along is like, oh, I love it when you change things up. Yeah. Right? And I think a lot of other people don't even notice. And then some people can do it. Like when I used to do it, smaller group, higher end. And then I took a bunch of stuff away and lowered the price and more people can do it. So, you know, you, you always have to start with that. What's that end result that I want for my people? And what's the end result that I want for me? Yeah, absolutely. So, so from what you're saying, I hear that you're working with a lot of creative uh, women in different capacities um, and you help them to kind of get out of their own way so that they can create what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is, uh, what is, well, first of all, why do we get in our own way? Yeah. <laughs> What's the why there? Yeah. Cause it's the way how we're built as humans. You know, I, I really disagree with the language of self-sabotage. I don't think we self-sabotage. I think we work the way our operating system is made. And what I talk about in the why bother book is we have something called an emotional immune system. I did not make this up. And the emotional immune system is like your physical immune system, right? Your physical immune system is there to say, oh my God, you got cut and there's germs and I've got to get those germs out of there. Except our emotional immune system does it with anything that it feels is going to hurt us, humiliate us, or in any way cause us pain. Well, that's just about every risk you want to take. (laughs) That's just about everything out of your comfort zone. I don't know about you, Cheryl, but during this pandemic, I have gotten so into my, I mean, we work at home, my husband and I anyway, but now that there's not all of our social life and travel, I actually am having a hard time leaving the house. I'm having like yep. the few errands I've done or going for a walk with a friend. I'm like, you know, when, when the numbers are down here in our county, I'm like, oh, can I do it? That's like our emotional immune system on steroids. But one of the things that I really work with people to see is we have to normalize it because our culture intends to pathologize it, right? They put like self-sabotage is a pathologizing word. There's something wrong with you that you're doing this. No, it's the way your brain and your nervous system is built. You just have to learn tools so that you can get out of your own way. And one of the first tools is you're always going to have an emotional immune system. It's always going to do that. 
It's never going to go away. And so what you get to do is find ways to make it a little more robust and a little bigger, like the bubble is bigger. If you could see my hands, everybody, I'm making this big, you know, I'm gesturing to extend my arms, like make that bubble bigger. So there's more you can do within it. But then know as soon as something like a pandemic happens, or you lose your job, or you get sick, or a client doesn't like you. I mean, who hasn't had a failure with a client? Everybody has failures with clients right. as coaches, right? Your emotional immune system is going to tighten back up and say, ah, oh, see, I told you. Mm -hmm. Bad idea. Go yeah. get that corporate job again. Go work at Starbucks. Don't oh, this coaching thing. Bad idea. Bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> and that's so like that self-sabotaging thoughts and, and, you know, it's just so prevalent, but I love that. Um, just, we have to make it more robust. Our response has to be more robust. I love and that. we have to have more tools, right? Including self-talk tools. They're essential. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, um, let me ask you this. You, you make a distinction between desires, goals, and what you call conditions of enoughness. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that to us? Sure. So I think desire, I look at desire from a, a deeply spiritual point of view. And I think desire is life arising in us. Like the image that always comes to my mind is I, I spent a lot of time in, in the outdoors and I remember a particular canoe trip in Canada and we would go get our water every day from springs, springs that would, you know, spring up out of the ground or come out of the cliffs. And desire is like that spring. It's always bubbling. It's always saying, come, come live life. Come on. Right. And it is, to me, it is like the essential nature of why we're here is to be enlivened, not to get what we want. <laughs> that's very different, but to be enlivened by it. So that's what I consider desire. It's life arising in us. It's our interests and our passions arising in us to draw us forward. Goals are things we want. You know, we may or may not get them. And so, you know, I have a goal to sell so many copies of my book or a goal to get so many people in my business mastermind or, you know, that's great. They may or may not happen. I can do a lot of small steps to take action on them. I can take risks and, you know, we'll see what happens, but I separate out the two. I think is really important. My desire is, is life arising in me. It's, it's to be here and enjoy this life and be just, I mean, honestly, and this sounds sexual, but it's not turned on by it. And goals are things that I want. Like I want to make so much money so we can buy one of those cool spinner vans and travel, you know? Yeah, cool. All right. May, may or may not make $100,000 extra to pay for that. Um, and then conditions of enoughness are something that I actually learned first in coaching school. And they were called conditions of satisfaction. And they were for the workplace. And the idea was how you ask your direct report to do something. How does the direct report know if they did it or not? How will they know that they satisfied your request. And over time, I turned it into, oh my God, the biggest promise that we need to learn to make is the promises we make to ourselves. And how do we know we kept them? The only way we build momentum and self-trust in our creative projects and our business projects is if we say, I'm going to do this, is not dependent on anybody else. It's not dependent on the outcome. It's not dependent on getting new clients. I'm going to put my focus on what I can do to build my business. And that's what I call conditions of enoughness and, and, and write about in the Why Bother book. And it really keeps putting the focus back on emp empowering you to be satisfied. Because if you are not satisfied, if you don't declare what will satisfy you, you will never experience satisfaction. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's the hungry ghost that is talked about in Buddhism, right? It's that feeling of just, oh, there's something out there. If I can just get it, 
You know, if I can just get all those clients, if I can just make that much money, well, I'm going to tell you, you are not going to be satisfied when you get there. If it's not based on an experience of what's satisfying you, that, you know, the, the process that you're taking uh, agency around. Yeah. So you, you, you mentioned why bother a couple of times. That's a book mm-hmm. that you, that you wrote. And then you also have um, kind of a philosophy around like what, why, bo- why is the why bother so unavoidable in our lives? How does it show up for coaches in particular? Yeah, I, I, again, I just, something I want to normalize. How can you as a coach not fall into a mood of meh, well, whatever, when you didn't get the, the client that you wanted, when you had the great sales call, you know, free session and they never call you back. And that happens four times in a row. How can you not fall into, oh, nobody cares about my coaching practice when you're not getting any traction on social media or not getting podcast interviews or whatever you're doing to build your business and your list? You know, it's just built into the process of putting ourselves out there. It's built into the process of being alive. It's built into the process of aging. But what we do is we think the answer is, yeah, right. No reason to bother. Uh Uh-uh, just might as well quit. Might as well give up. That's not going to work. Let me try something else. It's why you get coaches who try something different for their business every week, right? Well, that didn't work. Why bother? Let me go over and get this new thing and sign up for this expensive program and So it's baked into being human. It's baked into being in business. And what we have to get curious about is when it's occurring, when we're feeling, why bother? Oh, there's no point. Oh, it's all been done. Why would I write a book? Why would I care? Why would I build a coaching business? That's what I want you to get curious. Well, why would I? What does have meaning for me here? Why am I bothering? And what could I try to do in a new way or try again or tweak? We're looking for that magic bullet when we build our businesses, right? We're looking for the thing that takes us to fantasy land. That's not how you build a business. I promise you, I've done this for 30 years. It is incremental, boring word, super, super sexy in reality. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you, and really just kind of extending on that a little bit. Uh, uh, when we, When we, it's trial and error, right? Like when something doesn't work, not doing the why bother and changing you know, focuses, but saying, okay, what can I learn from this? And what can I try now? Like trying something different and, and really being um, resilient in, you know, in um, standing up for the things that we are initially interested in and, and working it and seeing what happens, what needs to be changed. Exactly. Exactly. Like you reconnect in this case, this example that we're using, you reconnect with, I really love coaching. I want to coach people. I really love making money. I want to make money as a coach, right? I think sometimes too, when we're building our businesses, we think it all has to be so lofty, you know, I should only be serving people from my highest self at all times. You have to take care of yourself to go back to the beginning of our conversation. There has to be something in it for you. Yeah. You know, I get, I, if I don't get as much from my work as I give, I don't last very long in that particular, you know, or I've got to get paid really, really well. Yeah. To to compensate. Right. It's my, it's my bullshit price, right? Like, okay, I'll do that for you. I'll do that for you, but it's going to be expensive. (laughs) Love it. And it's, it's interesting. Um, and I know my audience is probably sick of hearing this, but I use an analogy of, um, like when you're flying, right? So 
those oxygen masks come down, right? You have to put that oxygen mask on yourself first before you can help anybody else. And so if you're not sustaining yourself, whether that's financially, you know, inspirational, whatever it is, if that's not working for you, you're never going to be able to help anybody else, at least not successfully. So or you goes- are, but, but you can get, you, you can still be a really good coach doing that, but you're not going to be enjoying your life. And I have a friend who I've been friends with since I was 15. And two weeks ago, we had been trading messages. We don't, we, we, we've kept in touch. She came to my wedding, all those kind of things. I, I got married six years ago, but um, we, you know, we don't talk regularly. We talk a few times a year and she called and her voice sounded like, I thought she had COVID and she's dying. And she, she may have passed away already. I don't know. One day, totally healthy playing tennis. Two days later, having major surgery riddled with cancer. She's my same age, 58. And that's, that's the truth. Nobody's getting out of here alive, people. 100% of us are going to die. And if we don't embrace that truth about how we're doing everything, you're, you're not going to be happy if you end up in that place that my friend is, you know, not that she's happy to be dying in any way, shape or form, but she has lived her life really fully. And that's my goal. Yeah. And it's easy to get lost and it's easy to forget. And it's easy to come to the end of my day and go, yeah, I just spent the day doing all that stuff I don't like to do. <laughs> so that's why we ask, why am I bothering? Am I getting, am I bothering about stuff I don't really care about? And why am I doing that? And if it's not getting me a return, then why am I doing it? You know, I, I have a, um, a, a, a friend, I'll say, who spent years nurturing, years, hours a day nurturing this giant Facebook group. Like this, the success looked like, oh my God, I've got 15,000 people in this Facebook group, but it wasn't financial success. Very few of them were translating to buyers, right? And, and clients. She's, she just sells physical goods and, and has clients, mentoring clients. So she closed it down. But she spent three years doing that. So what are you measuring, you know? And maybe she yeah. would, you know, and, and, and I should say that she wasn't enjoying it. Obviously, if she was, it'd be a different story. Right. Okay. That makes total sense. Um, <clears throat> so we're getting ready to wind down here. But um, Brene Brown has quoted you in two of her books, um, talking about shadow comforts and time monsters. So what are they? And how do we make different choices? Yeah. So shallow comforts are a term that actually came up in 1992 when I wrote that first book. And it's the idea that we do things in the name of self-care, but they don't really nurture us. Right. So maybe you watch one episode of your favorite Netflix show and that's really nurturing. It's like, oh yeah, man, I went into another world. I got out of this house that I'm locked in. And then another day, what you really need to do is your bookkeeping, but you're scared to look at the numbers. So you watch six episodes of your favorite show and you eat all the stuff that doesn't make your joints feel good, right? (laughs) That's shadow comforts. It's not actually what you do. It's how it makes you feel and why you're using it. And time monsters are often the things, they always are the things that we have to do. Let's say you have to do your billing or you have to answer emails, but we do them in in place of before or make them a bigger deal than the things that we really desire. So let's say you really desire to get up in the morning and dance, but instead you get up in the morning and start answering emails. And yeah, you got to answer those emails, but why are they getting that dance time? Yeah. And that's because I would say you're not allowing yourself to really explore desire. So how do we choose 
Mm. Different ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. There. Yeah. It's a great question. Well, one way is we get really curious. Curiosity is one of our superpowers, right? So we get curious. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm starting the third episode of the, of this Netflix show. Can I just hit pause? Which I know is hard on Netflix because the way they <laughs> wired and the way they've made the Netflix, which is wait, let's the show start and then hit pause and hit pause and go, huh, I'm, I, I totally can keep to going. I can have exactly what I want here. I'm not judging myself. If you judge yourself, you're just going to send yourself more into shadow comforts. What might I want instead? And you may not choose it because it may be to go look at your numbers and you're like, I'm not up for it. So then you might ask, well, is there anything that would be more nurturing in this moment? Again, I can have the Netflix if I want. And maybe it comes to your mind, oh, you're really nurturing and go like rub that warm stuff in my hands and do my night rituals and just get into bed with a book. And I'm going to be a lot more ready to do that bookkeeping stuff tomorrow. I don't want to. I want the Netflix. Okay, cool. Don't be at war with yourself, but then stay present while you watch the show. How's it feeling? Is it nurturing you? Is there something you'd want instead? So it's, it's inquiry, right? It's inquiry. Do I really want this? What do I want instead? What would be more nurturing? Is there something bugging me? And a lot of times, you know, we're not going to do it. That's okay. You know, there always will be another opportunity very soon. (laughs) Yeah. So it sounds like a, like a mixture of like being present and that mindfulness so that we can pause and, and question, have that curiosity about what's going on with us and then make a decision on how to move forward. Yeah. I think that the gateway for me is always to drop the judgment and to drop that I'm taking something away from myself. If we make when we're in a shadow comfort moment or a time monster moment and we realize it and then we start judging ourselves or we decide it's an, it's about discipline. Like I'm a better person. I just made air quotes y'all. Um, if I do this, then that that's going to close the door on possibility. And then really, you know, this moment is the, is the fresh moment. And so you don't have to draw drag in every shadow comfort you don't have to drag in your past. You don't have to start a conversation with yourself. Well, yeah, you've watched Netflix every night, this, you know, all this month, the entire pandemic, you've watched everything that's ever Netflix has ever made. You don't have to drag that into the present moment. You really, this present moment is fresh and it's all you've got. So what's here now that you want? You don't have to change. It's not self-improvement either. Self-improvement is such a crappy idea because it's predicated that there's something the matter with you. There's nothing the matter with you. You're awesome. And yeah, you might want to improve a few things because it makes your life better. Cool. But it's not about who you are. So leave all that behind. And then you can get really curious in this moment. Huh? You know what I really want? I want to make really buttery popcorn. And I want to watch like this old movie. And that's it. I'm going to stay up really late. I think that's what I really want. Okay. Are you okay with your tomorrow self paying the price for that? I'm totally okay with that. Okay, go, go for it. Enjoy it. Right? So yeah. it's not about there's a better choice. It's, just, it's really that choosing. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you. That has been, uh, uh, you've given so much information. I've gotten a lot out of it for myself. And how can people uh, reach you and find you? Yeah, I'm always uh, at, well, I'm physically not, but you can always find me at jenniferloudon.com. And you can get the first chapter of Why Bother for free. Um, just give us your email address. We'll send it to you. It's always really easy to unsubscribe. 
we're about to, uh, we're always doing fun stuff, free courses and, and such. And you can find out about the Oasis. We open to members a few times a year and masterminds and all that's there. Awesome. All right. Well, your uh, all the links uh, for our listeners, all the links will be in the show notes uh, so that you can uh, go check Jennifer out. Definitely would recommend it. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for your time. Totally my uh, pleasure. Energy today. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you everybody for listening and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening in today. I'm so glad we got to spend this time together. If you love today's show, please consider leaving me a review on the Apple podcast app so other coaches can find the podcast. For more information about me, visit successfulcoaches.com. For daily inspiration and affirmations, follow me on Instagram at Coach Cheryl Thacker. Be sure to send me a DM so I can say hello. Until next time, to your success.